And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, listen up. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention stop what you're doing and listen it's the alliance guys podcast with your hosts kevin frazier dkm and jcap well 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 welcome to the alliance guys podcast a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com your number one source for news and information for the national Wrestling Alliance and the United Wrestling <laughs> Network with me. Obviously, there's no DKM. He's on assignment tonight. But of course, our fellow compadre, the former World Junior Heavyweight Champion, the modern day hero, Kevin Lee Frazier. Kevin, welcome to the show, pal. Glad to be here, Jay. I'm really excited. Uh, really just to hang out with everybody tonight. Uh, and talk a little bit of wrestling and uh, just see how everybody's doing. We already have a full house. I see Terry McDermott's in the house. Willie Bowen's here. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting started. We It's been a while, right? Like, we haven't been consistently doing this show regularly because Thursday nights have all of a sudden become such a popular night for things to be going on. But we're here, and we'll be back here uh, going forward for the foreseeable future this is your number one source for news and information for the national wrestling alliance and so that's what we're here to talk about we're going to talk about uh last or tuesday night's excuse me episode of power surge it's the first episode of power surge that we've had in like two months uh the lead up to the chase they didn't have any additional power surge episodes so this was the first episode of uh of the power surge that we've had in a while a little bit different format uh you know we didn't have any um we didn't have any may valentine on this episode uh Mm -hmm. we didn't see nick aldis once on this episode and uh it it was a very different um power surge Uh, they they introduced our friend of the show gary horn he's uh he's now doing backstage interviews online i guess uh what did you think of the different format kevin and what did you think of the show uh Save your opinions for the whole show for later, but what did you think of the different format? Um, it didn't, I mean, it didn't, it was like, it, it kind of mattered and it didn't matter kind of thing. Like it didn't, it didn't, I, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Uh, you pointed out some things that I didn't even notice. So uh, I found that really interesting. Uh, I didn't realize it, it wasn't in the show. Um, but now that you bring it up, I guess what guys may wasn't in the show um (laughs) you know i uh yeah i yeah i that i mean that you know how important that isn't to me so um (laughs) you know it is what it is 
Um, the other thing that I uh, thought was interesting about this show is that all three of the matches were taped without a live audience. So these must have been taped on the uh, in between the pay-per-views, uh, whether it be in power or during uh, the 73rd anniversary. There's no audience. So some of these matches were uh, taped before the, ob- the uh, actual pay-per-view itself. So it's kind of interesting some of the matches they came up with. Um, but the first match we got up was your favorite wrestler, and that would be Kobe Stinkin' Carino taking on Marche mm-hmm. Rocket. Now, uh, this match, it, I don't really understand the match in and of itself. It didn't seem like there was given a reason for this match to happen. We're in the past, they would call it like a TV title qualifying match or or something. There was just no nothing behind this except for a basic match, which is not very typical for the NWA. Um, right, and uh, there was no interference. Uh, Kobe came out. Uh, Marche came came out. Marche. There was no slice boogie in his corner. There was no, uh, you know, any resemblance of a teamwork there or anything like that. Uh, but the match is basically the story of Marche Rocket um, not taking Carino seriously, and Carino being like a little pit bull and just keeping attack, uh, kept attacking like the leg of Marche Rocket. Um, which I also thought was weird because he won the match by rolling rolling him up and pulling the tights. You would think with all the work that he did on the leg to neutralize him that he would have gotten some sort of submission victory. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of this match? Well, I would say my first... I didn't think a whole lot of it. Um, my first, Actually, not all of it. Um, I didn't really kind of... I didn't really hate the match like the actual technical aspect of it i'm not going to say that it was great technically but i don't think that would would stand out to me as the biggest issue but kind of like what you said like why was this match booked like what what's the point um when you have the ability when you i mean you have creative freedom it's not like you just have to book things a certain way and when you have the ability to book certain matches why wouldn't you book guys that would go good against each other and I don't think this is a good matchup for either person because it becomes very difficult in a match like this, unless there's a story behind it, <clears throat> for this match to really have a lot of interest because usually if it's big guy versus small guy, you kind of have the, it's a David versus Goliath kind of thing because the small guy is lovable and likable. Um, but now you have a smaller heel and against the face and, and, and actually, Terry said it was a filler for TV time. That's fine. But why this match with these two guys? It just was a really... It didn't make any sense. I didn't... A, a lot of it didn't make sense. Um, these are just kind of matches I don't like. I don't even like matches like this. Like, again, I'm not a big fan of really little guy wrestling really big guy unless there's a story behind it. Um why not put these guys against guys a little more in their own their own caliber? So, yeah, just of course I'm not a big fan of Colby Carino, so it took a lot in me not to fast forward it. Um, <laughs> I, I really thought about it, but uh, I didn't. I didn't. I, I suffered through it like a like a champ. Uh, I think uh, James said <laughs> kind of nailed it right there. It seemed like they threw darts at the wall, and sadly, this is what stuck. So we know. I, I, okay. I'm operating under the assumption that the NWA is filming 
in excess of content because we never really know for sure when there's going to be like that third or fourth or fifth wave of the pandemic and there's any moment you know things could get shut down things can change so i think they've they've tried to be smart about things and have recorded like i said in excess and have lots of extra content so a match like this maybe it doesn't make the most amount of sense to air on this episode but if this was you know a year ago we would all been happy just to see something from the nwa uh with that being said this match really doesn't do a whole lot for anybody like so colby gets the victory against essentially a a enhancement talent yeah he's a jobber and especially a guy like colby he hasn't won a whole lot of matches either. So it's like a victory for either one of these guys is not really going to do a whole lot for them. Um, it, you know, I don't know what the storyline is with Colby. I know that uh, he technically has an opportunity to cash in a title shot at some point. So I guess they're going to try to build him up to a degree. But I, I don't know. This just doesn't feel this kind of felt like a waste of time. Um, and, in you know, to, to kind of say what uh Terry said that was filler. Like they could have filled this with any match, you know. There could have been a. Uh, I would have rather watched Sal Renaro versus Colby Carino or Marche Rocket versus, uh, you know, uh, JTG or 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 somebody else, uh, Jordan Clearwater perhaps. Just something that would have served a purpose, a purpose better than what we got. No, I, I agree, Jay. That was kind of what what bothered me. I think about the match was just that it. That it felt like it was wasting my time, which it's not like this is a free. This would be a great free YouTube match, but this is not free TV here. This is I'm I'm paying for this, and what the heck are you doing with my money? And wrestling with the MMA says Kevin's disgust for Kobe makes me want to see the match. <laughs> Look at that! I'm the only reason anybody wants to watch Kobe. <laughs> and then James H. Jackson says, I feel that's why we got the extra power last season because they overfilmed just in case. I, I just, I, I feel like that's a safe bet. If I was in pro wrestling today, that's what I would be doing just because you never know. Um, right. And then with all that being said, like with the, with the limited resources they have, they have to uh, maximize their opportunity to film as much as they can because under those short those four days right after those four days are up the talent goes back and does whatever the talent needs to do they go back to the home office start editing these videos it's just they they, they need to maximize those four days the two they TV edit these videos jay what's that they they edit these videos jay uh-huh. you really, <laughs> whoever whoever is the editor for the national wrestling alliance right now Look, I am not a professional editor, but I'm telling you right now, like, you should hire me instead because uh, we're going to get to the Jax Dane interview. We're going to get to these interviews, too. And it's not live TV, man. Like, you can you can adjust things. And, uh, you know, it's not like you haven't given us a 30-minute show before. So at least give us 30 good minutes. <laughs> but when some of this stuff just drug on. I'm like, oh, my God, please kill me now <laughs> well, you, you know you said something that kind of resonates with me too it's that we pay for this program um it's it's not a whole lot but we do pay for 90 99 for the privilege of watching nwa power four days a week 
And that's great. That's awesome. I love it. But you know what? I find it a little bit insulting that if I'm paying for this, you're also going to show me commercials. Like, I feel uh, like. Right. Right. That's if, what you're supposed to pay not to have commercials. Ask YouTube. Well, I, I feel like if this show was on YouTube and I was, I had to pay. Uh-huh. You, or excuse me, if I was watching it on YouTube and I didn't have to pay for my content, then I can understand by force feeding me commercials. But you would think that the five bucks should uh, absolve me of those sins. I shouldn't have to watch commercials. I'm paying <laughs> to watch this. It just didn't. Hey. They did that at the pay per view as well, and that just didn't sit well with me. I'm like, why are we doing this? Well, and, and actually, I, I want to bring up what James just said. I think it's. Um, mainly because he agrees with me and DK's not here to disagree. But on top of that, he said with the killer pay-per-views they had, which we gave the pay-per-views good reviews, right? I mean, for the whole, we gave the pay-per-view pretty good reviews. Um, You know, we have some first-time buyers. You want the season to keep them hooked and not turn them away. Man, that I've been saying this, Jay, since we've been covering the show. Like, you can't. You, you can't waste your time and no offense I mean maybe offense to Colby Carino because I don't care but Marche Rock <laughs> is a pretty big dude and some of the but you know like some of the talent they threw out on the show in the ring it's like that you can't you have to every week you're competing with other wrestling companies you don't live in a vacuum and so you want to put your best foot forward out there all the time once you've established yourself to a point of like mega loyal viewers, then you can do stuff like that, you know, but the reality, you know, like, but the reality is right now is like, you're really trying to get more people on board and it's just an assumption. I feel like they're making assumptions that people are just going to put up with this crap. And the truth is, is I'm not going to lie to you, Jay. Like there have been a few times, more than a few times where I said, you know, like, I'm only doing this show right now because of Jay and DK in the in the crew in the in the chat, not because I'm really enjoying the, the what the NWA is putting out, and because it feels like they get lazy. When in reality, that's when they should grab the bull by the horns and take the momentum and drive drive the like take that chance to really like drive it up. And this this kind of just goes goes right in the face of that. So uh, I'm trying. I said to myself, I'm not going to harp on the show too much, but I am going to be honest. Well, I mean, and again, that's what separates us from from the rest of the pack. Um, we're going to give you the straight, honest opinion of what we thought. And and I'm with you, Kevin. Like, uh, if we weren't doing this podcast, if this wasn't so important to us, I don't know if that would keep subscribing. I absolutely hate Fight TV as a pay-per-view provider. I hate the service. I hate the customer service. I hate the quality right. of the product. I am not a big fan of Fight TV at all. I'm also with the NWA. Like, there's, we'll get uh, two or three episodes a month that are just phenomenal, and then the rest are kind of lackluster. And so, right. you know, we're bet, we're betting, we're hedging our bets that the two episodes or one episode a month that we get, that's going to be so good, it's going to be worth that five dollars. Um, right. And again, you know, the money, it's not about the money. Like the five dollars, right. like that's not. That's not the deal breaker. It's not that I'm hard up for cash. It's that I'm investing so much time into a product <laughs> that sometimes I don't feel like it's the best product that's out there. Well, in, in the reality of this is we're paying more we're paying more to do this podcast than we are for the NWA. So there yeah. you go, guys. 
but the truth is, is like we could save five bucks a month and put towards this podcast and talk about something else if we really wanted to because like and i'm not saying we should that's that don't take that don't take it that way but i'm also saying it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings and again that i think the really part that bothers me right now is that they had so much momentum after the the pay-per-views and it really feels like they're squandering that but but there's one thing i'm excited about right now in the nwa one reason I'm tuning in to watch, maybe two, when you talk about Pope, and that's Jack Stane. Oh, we're getting there. To me, to right. me Jack Stane, and I know I'm kind of segueing a little bit here, but but Jack Stane, to me, since the, the turn with uh, with Crimson, um, been the best part of the show for me so far. And and, yeah, and I know I know they're building towards the Jack Stane and Murdoch. But for God's sakes, let's get murder. Let's get Jack Stane and Pope. Forget the title. Let's just get the best two most entertaining guys in a feud together, and maybe throw Trevor in there. So that that's where I'm at with it. I'd tune in well, for that. And, and we'll get into more uh, in a bit about uh, who is setting their sights on who. We do know mm-hmm. that on October the 24th in Kentucky, uh, as part of the uh, uh, promotion with Trident True Pro Wrestling. Um, we're going to get Jax Dane versus Crimson in a steel cage match. So that's something that I'm kind of excited about. Um, notice how there's the, the emphasis is on the feud more so than the title. And I think that's an important observation to make because that's telling you how much they're buying into Jax Dane right now and how much they're buying into Crimson right now. That they're going to go ahead and put a, a featured event with those two in a steel cage. And it, it, it very reminiscent of the old... Uh, Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash Diesel uh, feud, you know, good friends, better enemies. I'm very mm-hmm. much looking forward to seeing our pal uh, Jack Stane in a match with uh, with Crimson and them taking off the gloves and it not being, you know, it not being the Jack Stane that we've seen on power uh, in the last couple of seasons, not the Crimson that we've seen on power the last couple of seasons, but the true grit the true athletes of these uh two stepping into the ring and to make the icing on the cake you've got Jax dane who's taking it to the next level we said mm-hmm. this a couple weeks ago and i'll say it again we've got more character development out of Jax dane after the pay-per-view and the few matches of power than they've given him the entire first four seasons of power and- has the most character development of of anything that like of anything like it's the really only development in many to some extent besides Nick all this it's really the only real development that we've had since the pay-per-view and I'm I'm but I'm happy with it well and he gets out there right and uh he's not gonna let anybody forget his credentials he's not gonna let anyone just gloss over his uh acclaim I mean the man is a former national NWA champion, a former NWA North American champion. In fact, he unified those belts. People tend to forget he unified those titles. He was also a world tag team champion, and we can't forget that he defeated Hiroshi Tenzin to win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And he, and he pointed out, man, he never even lost those unified titles. He was injured, and he had to relinquish the belts, but nobody ever beat him for those titles. And, and so... We've talked about this at length on this podcast and on on the pre-party about how 
uh, the pedigree that Jax Dane has and his accomplishments that he's done in the ring and how they get overshadowed so often by this lightning one era of the NWA. And finally, he said, no, finally, he's had enough. And he's going to say, damn it, you're going to hear how good I am because you're not paying me the proper respects. And Jax Dane is telling you right now, he is not one to be trifled with. Kevin, right. what are your thoughts, brother? Well, I, I, I now are we gonna are we kind of going upon Jax's uh, interview, or are we gonna just talk about just Jax in general? Because because I can both. talk about both. Okay, well, first things first. As far as Jax Dane goes, um, you know, you and I were part of the NWA making a transition from one leadership to another a while back, and I and I was actually like right in the middle of it. Um, and most people would think because I was from Texas that I was one of the Texas groups guys. Uh, but to be honest, I was actually one of the guys that was being pushed by the Marquez uh, Trobich group. And uh, and then when the Tharp uh, Ronquillo group took over, um, you know, there were things, there were promises made to me that weren't kept. And instead, Ricky Morton uh, and his 53-year-old self uh, ended up getting what was what was promised to me. Um, ir- irrelevantly about that, um, I just feel like uh, Jack Stain might be getting that same kind of treatment, uh, but it doesn't seem like he's putting up with it. And the facts the facts are is that his interviews the last couple times, and, and now let's separate that into his interview with Gary Horn. I thought Jack Stain probably had one of the best one of the best takes. Um, in this interview, well, Trevor Murdoch called me out specifically, and I'm like, did he? And in my mind, I'm thinking that he goes, well, he said I'm ready to take all the biggest in the bed. I was like, oh, yeah, you got me with that one. That was great. Uh, I thought that was great. I thought I thought the interview was good. Um, you know, I, I, no, I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of exposure to Gary Horn, um, but, you know, he was more of a bus driver than uh, than like May, where she where she'll ask these kind of convoluted questions that like dig under the skin of the of the person she's asking. I felt like these were a lot softer questions, and he was more just just driving the bus. Um, and you know, I I, I like where I, I like I, I I like the more intricate questioning. Um, I, I've enjoyed I enjoyed that in the past. Now. The, the one criticism I have for this is it went way too long. I feel like it should have been cut 10 minutes shorter. Um, get on there. Get to the point. After it goes too long, it's just both of them kind of sat there. It looked dumb after a while. Both of these little uh, promos that they did went way too long. Um, or did they do two or three? I, whatever. Well, no, because Joe Galley had the one with Camille. But I felt like it just went too long. Other than that, it was for me. It was the highlight of the thing, and when he said that, I was just like, "Man, like that's like the line so far of power, like ever. Like that's the best promo line ever." Was when he said, "Well, he called me out specifically," and I go, and I'm like, and in my mind, I'm going, "I don't remember him calling Jack Dane out," and he's and he pulls like a typical like wrestler thing, and he says, "You know, he, he said he's ready wants to." fight the biggest and the baddest <laughs> he goes he's got to be talking about me and he said it with a straight face he said it like he really meant it 
And uh, well, he, I, yeah, that was, he, I, I laughed pretty hard at that. I really loved that. Um, those are the kind of moments that I think myself and, and all of us love about pro wrestling. I'm going to jump into the chat for a second, Jay, to see these yeah. guys are going nuts on the chat right now. Well, yeah, they're, we're having fun in the chat. You guys, if uh, you're watching us, feel free to jump into the chat. If you like your comment, we'll put it up on the screen. Did change things up a little bit differently. Uh, the podcast, we're using different software. So if it looks a little bit different, that's because it is. But hopefully you still enjoy the overall presentation. We're still talking NWA. We're still talking NWA power. And, of course, we're talking about Jack Stane. Um, I'm not done talking about it because, like Kevin said, that, that interview was the highlight of the night. Uh, I thought he he killed it. He crushed it. He's not a guy that's gotten a lot of uh, uh, FaceTime and promos uh, in the NWA, even going back to when he was champion. He was a man of very few words as champion, so you didn't really hear uh, Jack get uh, too many promos in. So when he was there, and he and he was you know with Gary Horn, uh, Gary is going to throw up the softball questions because Gary is that's what he's there for. And I love Gary Horn. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He was supposed mm-hmm. to make it very easy for Jax, and that's what it was. It worked out very well. So I do tip my hat to my good pal, Gary. Uh, if he's watching this, probably doesn't, though. But if he's watching it, I say kudos to you because I think you did the job well. Uh, like you said, Kevin, I think it did go a little bit too long. Um but I, I, I know why it went too long because they were trying to just this was a filler episode like uh, we like uh, Terry said earlier. Um, nothing in the show was super relevant except for that promo and it kind of it indicated to the audience that not only is uh, is uh, Jack Stain well aware of Crimson and it definitely you notice how he didn't call Crimson out like didn't call him weak, didn't call him like a punk. He, he played him up. He told him how good he is. So when he beats him, it's going to be even more meaningful. Um, That's great. That's a great observation. Um, and and when he when he when when Jax was talking about Trevor again, he wasn't he wasn't calling Trevor a punk. He wasn't calling him out that way. He was saying, "Yeah, he's the world champion. And you know, to be in the NWA, you have to be one of the best, and I'm one of the best." So right. I, I really felt like uh, Jax did a great job. Gary did a pretty good job too. And so that was one of the highlights of the night for me. And that brings us to the next interview. Well, before you go to the next one, I just want to say one quick thing. The true yeah. sign of a good veteran wrestler in the promo is even, especially a heel, because it's really easy as a heel to do this, but it's to give credit to the to everybody before you tear them down. Always do that because you don't want to tear down. You don't want to tear down a nobody. You don't want to fight and beat a nobody. And so, uh, so yet again, I, I feel like the the way he's towing the line of doing it right, but also staying a heel. I mean, he's he's doing great. Anyways, carry on. We're we're going to the next part of the show. Real quick, James H. Jackson says they could always fill fill it with quality matches. That would be a good option too. Well, and and I want to actually piggyback on that because James said something in the chat earlier. He said, you know, AEW is giving out these shows for free, and they're putting these really dynamite matches. And I think that is something to be reckoned to be realized is that look, you are not you are not living in a vacuum in WA. You know, you are competing for dollars, you're competing for views. And if you want people to watch your show, you have to put your best foot forward every single time. You can't intentionally book a bad show and then put it on and then pay, make a pay for it. I just think that's craziness. 
I just think it's nuts. I mean, there was some talent on this show, but I know that but they were missed. They weren't booked properly. And I know the NWA had plenty of people talent-wise in there uh, that were there for this because of when it was taped that they could have just done so much better than what they put out here. Why, why like he said, why if you're going to do a filler match, you're going to put a crappy filler match? Anyway, carry on, Jay. I think we got a match to talk about. No, not yet. <laughs> we, we, we did get one match. We get one promo. And then we go back to another promo, which is uh, Joe Galley and Camille. Uh, oh, boy. Now, you know, one thing that's a hallmark of NWA Power is this Joe Galley Camille dynamic where, you know, are they friends? Are they enemies? Are they frenemies? I don't really know. And I guess I really don't care. But he always tries to hold, he tries to hold Camille, he being Galley, tries to hold Camille up to a higher standard. And, and even though she hangs out with the miscreants and strictly business, the ruffians, uh, he expects her to like have a higher accountability, which I just think is kind of a weird dichotomy. Like, you know, she's a heel. Nothing about her says babyface at all. And, and he's surprised that he went and she went and punched Melina up on the side of the head. Of course. And uh, Camille, Camille's reaction is, look, she had it coming. She won't keep her mouth shut. She can't keep my name out of her mouth. So she definitely had her coming for me to knock her outside her uh, her head. Whereas my mom used to say, box her ears. So um, <laughs> it was, I mean, it, it, it looks like they're building towards a Molina versus uh, Camille feud. Maybe up to a pay-per-view match, which I'm okay with. Um, the women's division, although there are a lot of bright spots to it, I don't think you're ready to have that Camille versus Lady Frost match. I don't think we need Genocide versus Camille Part 2 just yet. And I don't think Kylie uh, Ray is ready to step up as the number one contender for the Women's World Championship. So I feel like it, it makes sense putting Melina in that role and letting Melina have one more, like, uh, hurrah, so to speak. But um, ultimately, like, this is kind of, it seems like that's what they're playing to. Kevin, what did you think about this promo? Uh, I don't, I don't like the Joe Galley Camille thing, and, and in all reality, like, I, 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 I believe Joe Galley called some of my matches in Hollywood, and I may be wrong. He may not have been there when I was there, but I know that no, he he's wasn't a there guy when you that, were there. Yeah, but I know he's a guy. It was Todd. Um, anyways, Todd was fantastic. I can't remember his last name right now, but um, no, Todd I, Kenley. I, I, I Todd Kenley. Yeah, he was really good. Um, no, so I, I don't want to. I don't want to smash on Joe Galley. I just, it just kind of goes back to the book. Like, Joe Galley's really very one dimensional. And so, when you try to add dynamic to someone like that, they get exposed. Kind of like Tyrus trying to do a moonsault. And it's like, you just, Joe Galley should just call matches from, from ringside. You know, like, it just, he doesn't do well in this stuff. It seems so fabricated. It seems so fake. And it doesn't come across as genuine. And the relationship with Camille is awkward, like Austin Idol's awkward when he's out there with another female. So it just, I, I just not a, I'm just not a, that was supposed to be a joke. Maybe it wasn't that funny. But it was, but I just, I don't like it. And I like what you said about like, like, does he live in a, does he, he looks like the idiot. He looks like, like he lives in a fantasy world or something. 
and it's like you know they could they could they could put Camille in so much better spots to look better than going out there and like you know like doing this I don't know I, I just not a big fan there you go didn't Terry like points out, Terry points out that Joe is more of a journalist than a wrestling announcer and you know I'm I like Joe Galley and I I like him in the role I like when he calls matches I just I don't know, maybe I'd prefer Kyle to be doing these backstage interviews or even maybe Gary Horn um, and, and having each person play that role that they are best suited to play. I think Galley calling matches is great. I think Galley uh, interviewing Camille, um, just I think that's worn a little, worn a little thin. And um, I just see some more comments that I want to get to in the chat real quick. What would Luthez do? Says, what's with all the empty ballroom matches? Um, now, we're only assuming this, uh, Lou. We're, this is just an assumption. But with the limited amount of time that they had to tape on the two days following the pay-per-view, I believe they recorded an entire catalog of matches because they weren't exactly sure when they'd be taping more content again. So I think they, whenever they had an opportunity, the ring was set up, they got the cameramen out there, the commentators out there and were recording just because uh, time is precious. And, and, you know, backstage segments can be done online, you know, like we saw with Gary and Jax and or, or later Gary with Trevor, but the actual in-ring matches, you do need to have a, a ring set up and commentators so I think that's why we got that. And then um, uh, James H. Jackson says, what is Kyle's purpose? Uh, we see we see him less and less. And I, I think I think you see you're seeing Kyle less and less just because they're still trying to work out the dynamic of these live tapings. And again, um, this isn't the Georgia Public Broadcasting Studio where they have another room set up for backstage interviews. Uh, and stuff like that. This was basically they're in the ballroom and they're making the best of the space that they have. So, um, with all that being said, I, I think that's that's where we're at on that. And then um, that brings us uh, to the next match, which I know you're a huge fan of, Kevin, and that would be the mm. women's triple threat match. Um, they brought out again the uh, hometown favorite, Tootie Lynn Ramsey, of course it's kind of pointless to bring out the hometown hero when there's nobody from the hometown in the audience to watch her, uh, as they also had sky blue and thunder kitty. Now sky blue is obviously the person that is getting, um, the spotlight treatment, if you will, they definitely see something in her and she's getting these matches that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Tootie Lynn or thunder kitty are going to, um, dominate the uh, talk of pro wrestling, but I think Sky Blue is in these matches to get her more seasoning, to get her more camera time, because I think they see some potential in Sky Blue. Um, the matchup mostly focused on Thunder Kitty being the aggressor, um, and then Sky Blue wins the match, and then the second time tonight with a roll-up. So, um, uh, I, I, I know that it's part of the gimmick that she's supposed to be the 100-year-old wrestler, but um, the way that the announcers were selling it just it felt very hokey to me. And um, I know that's part of 
Thunder Kitty's gimmick as she is hokey, but it just felt a little over the top. Kevin, what were your thoughts? Good and bad. Bad. Oh. So Thunder Kitty shouldn't be on television. At all. She should be at Hood Slam. You know? Or or uh, it's Brian Kendrick's wrestling show out there. You know? Oh, she yeah. should be WCW. wrestling. She should be wrestling Serial Man. Or Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. Like, she should not be on a, on a mainstream competitive pro wrestling show. Uh, on their television show. Especially not pay-per-view. And now that's twice pay-per-view. So, again... And I see somebody throwing out there, I love Thunder Kitty. Yeah, I mean, I love Serial Man, but, you know, I don't think we, <laughs> we should have him, you know, wrestling in a serious match against serious championship contenders. Uh, Tootie Lynn, I, I, I felt like maybe giving her that one little spot on the, the Battle Royal thing was good, but I think I've seen way too much of her. She's really not there. She's very, very green. Um, like almost painfully cringy green to me. And so I, um, you know, it was to me, there were times I'm watching uh, Sky Blue's body language and going, she's thinking what I'm thinking. You know, like, <laughs> why the hell am I out here doing this? Like, what in the world? Is this a joke? Um, because it really looked like a joke. And, you know, for a young wrestler like that to have to carry a match to some extent like that, um, it, she should be wrestling Melina or, you know, like there were veterans in that locker room. Like put her out there in a one-on-one match against somebody that she can learn from and she can grow in a, and build her in a match that actually benefits her and the person she's wrestling. Um, so, you know, it's like... Thunder, Thunder Kitty is unique. There's a lot of things that are unique in the world that they shouldn't be on TV uh, getting paid for. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, have a, you know, I have a really unique, like, little, like, toe. Like, very, you know, like, my, my little toe on my right foot is really unique, but it doesn't mean it needs a TV show. Um, <laughs> just because you're unique does not mean you're good or entertaining. I don't think she's either. And uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Luthez or whatever. I, I expect more from a Luthez guy. Um, but no, no, I mean, in reality, like, like they could, they really could have done Sky Blue better than this. Because again, she is an up and coming wrestler. You can tell she takes it seriously. Um, and again, I, I think Tudulin is serious, but she's just not, she's just not there. And I mean, Thunder Kitty is not taking it seriously because her gimmick's not even serious. Um, yeah, I, I just, again, it was just another match that did absolutely nothing for me. I mean, I, it was great to get to see some of Sky Blue's stuff, but it's like, again, their body language is just like, what the hell am I doing right now? Like, <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, James I mean, Jackson our, agreed agrees with yeah, me. I knew she would. Our audience is definitely split, and I know... I know why people like Thunder Kitty, and it, it, it's 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 tchotchke, it's fun, it's silly, uh, and I'm not saying you're wrong for liking Thunder Kitty, but I feel like this match should have been, you know, you have an opportunity to kind of, uh, you're trying to hook people in, like Kevin said earlier, they're coming off the height of this pay-per-view, and uh, of these last two pay-per-views, and people are excited, 
And like, I think it would have been well better suited to have, you know, maybe Sky Blue go out there and wrestle Kira Hogan that they had that uh, a few uh, episodes earlier or wrestle a Chelsea Green and put her in the ring with somebody who's really experienced and really Mm -hmm. good and then see what they're capable of doing. And I think Mm -hmm. if they did that, I feel like uh, you're, you're, you're benefiting not only your audience by giving them a much better match, but then the talent involved is getting a better match too. If you're going to put Thunder Kitty in the ring, put Thunder Kitty in the ring with somebody who she could get better from facing somebody like a Molina, somebody again, like a Chelsea. <laughs> no, like, like put it, put her in the ring with Danny deals. Terry McDermott says she's a lot. Yeah. Put him out there for two minutes. Let uh, somebody come out and squash him. Like uh, what's the Judas guy. Let Judas come out there and give him a double choke slam and then walk off. <laughs> then everybody is over and they don't suck. Isn't that great? Like this is actually booking this show. Judas, that would doubt. Don't, don't tell me that wouldn't have been the segment of the show. <laughs> I mean, I think I would have popped. All right, <laughs> so that brings us that brings us to uh, the next interview. And if you guys, if it feels like we're flying through this show, I mean, part of it is because there's no DK in here, and part of it is because this was a short show. Like it just the content was easily digestible, but there's not a whole lot that has to go into it. You know, the interview with 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 Gary Horn and Jack Stane, it was a lot of fun. Jack Stane got himself over. Gary did a good job. Cool. The match itself, uh, you know, so far the matches have just been, you know, I, I, I pay five bucks a month and I don't, I, I want better than this. But that brings us to the next interview with Gary Horn and uh, Trevor Murdoch. Now this is uh, Trevor, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird because there certainly is a formula in Mr. William Patrick Corgan's head about how you use your world's heavyweight champion. And apparently it means getting them on TV as much as possible and putting them in every segment so that they're on the show all the time. Because we just had, we just had a a Trevor Murdoch at the podium a few weeks ago. We had Trevor with Nick Aldis at the podium. And now we get Nick Aldis and, or excuse me, Trevor Murdoch and Gary Horn. So it's like we're getting a lot of Trevor Murdoch. We don't necessarily need to have Trevor Murdoch on every single episode of Power. Um, and that that might that's my complaint for everybody. Like no wrestler should be on every single episode unless they're defending their title on every single episode. Um, so uh, in in lesser words, Trevor Trevor said that he humbled Nick Aldis. I mean, that's kind of what he said. He didn't come out and say that, but he more or less said that. And that... Um, now he knows that he's got the target on his back that Aldis had for all of the 10,000 or 1,044 days. And he kind of makes reference to uh, the Pope as a potential challenger. Now the Pope still has his opportunity to challenge for winning the champion series. So does Jax Dane. He also has that, uh, you know, that, that gift certificate for a title match. And then also he brought up Adonis. And I kind of like that they, you know, the NWA went back in time on this one uh, because Aldis referenced this, that Chris Adonis at any point could have challenged uh, Aldis for the title because he was the national champion. And that's his, your privilege as the national champion is that you're technically the number one contender for the 10 pounds of gold. So even Murdoch kind of addressed that and said, hey, look, Adonis could cash in his opportunity anytime he wants for a title shot at at me so he Murdoch kind of explained how he 
he has that target on his back and he doesn't take it lightly. Um, I thought it was a pretty good interview. What'd you think, Kevin? Uh, it, it, by this point, I was a little bit checked out. I mean, I very, I vaguely remember it. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I wish that I, I don't know if these this interview and the Jack Dane interview were filmed independently of each other, but would have been nice to see like an actual response to Jack Dane from Trevor Murdoch because I think that would have been entertaining i mean you know because i think had trevor responded to him calling out jack's Dane, that actually would have been kind of funny because you think he probably would have laughed just like we did about yeah. it um you know and then, then it adds a little bit of credibility and a little bit of like story uh to those promos so it, it really just kind of i mean it was all right but i, I think this is something that that i knew from the get-go that you know, Trevor Murdoch's not going to be a very interesting uh, world champion. Um, it's just not the kind of character he is. So I, I think I, I don't I don't think he has the capacity to be as dynamic as Nick. And so I just I think it's better actually for them if, if they take the less is more approach with him because what's going to happen is is we're going to get sick of seeing him. Um, and hearing the same thing, the same old chick, um, I think I think this is a great time to actually build up his challengers, so that matches against him are a lot more interesting. Because I think where his real strong suit is is in the ring, and so I don't I don't think he has quite the same ability outside of the ring in terms of promos and that sort of thing. I'm not saying he's bad at promos at all. I'm just saying you know. That you're just talking about a whole different animal with Nick. Uh, Nick, Nick is a much more cerebral, um, cerebral character, like cerebral wrestler in general. But also too, like he gets a kick out of, you know, changing the goalposts with his character and making you think: is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? That actually, that actually keeps the promos interesting. Uh, I don't think they're gonna do that with Murdoch, and nor should they really. And so it's like, how many times can you hear, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to beat you up, and I'm a good old country boy. You know, like, after a while, you get, eh, okay, you're the same crap over and over again. Um, so, again, again, I just think a little bit less is more kind of situation with Murdoch. Doesn't mean he's, I don't think he's going to be a good champion. I just think that they need to, they, they don't, kind of like what you said, I think they, they need to take a different approach with him than they did with all this. Now, uh, if you're paying attention to our what's going on in the chat, um, James brought up a good point. I just want to share that real quick. He says, I wish they could have something similar to AEW Dark on YouTube where they can get ring time and still be seen by people and save the A-level stars for power. A hundred percent. And, you know, I don't want to get too I much agree. into AEW, but yep. just real quick. I mean, we saw or if you watched it last night, then you might have saw. Um, just how phenomenal uh, the the crowd was, and how exhilarating it was to see Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, the one of the greatest wrestlers in our lifetime, stand in the ring across from Kenny Omega, who at one point was the Impact World Champion. He still holds the AAA uh, Championship, the Mega Championship. He's the AEW World Champion. And the crowd was so into that match. 
by all means they should be these are two of the most popular wrestlers in the world and have a huge pedigree but but what uh what i want to say to that is you know aew understands that not every episode is going to have those guys on that you know in that match not every episode is going to have all the top tier talent but they also have they just did a whole set of studio tapings in orlando florida for aew dark a show that doesn't even appear on television it's a show that's directed just for youtube and it's a studio environment not unlike what we used to have with nwa power and they're doing basically their own version of nwa power with lesser known names or people that they're trying to get over on their roster and i guess what the point i'm trying to make is nwa power has not even close to the resources that aew has but they have an opportunity to do something similar when they when they're shooting all of these matches these matches should be on a B show. These matches should not be paid for. I shouldn't have to pay to watch Tootie Lynn Ramsey versus Sky Blue versus uh, Thunder Kitty. And that I'm I'm not taking a shot at any of those women. I'm just saying that's not a marquee matchup that I should have to pay for. Um, if 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 the NWA is making money by touring or doing these big uh, pay-per-view events, if the NWA is making money off their pay-per-views, if the NWA is making money off our merchandise, if the NWA is making money with commercials, then then matches like this shouldn't be occupying what I'm paying for. And right. I'm just being completely real here. If I'm well, paying for it, I want quality. I, I agree. And you know, something interesting, you sit here and say, we're talking about on one show, they got Daniel or Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega and, and NWA's answer to that is Tootie Lynn or Thunder Kitty and uh, Sky Blue Cody Kobe Carino versus Marche Rocket you know that's their answer to that and hey newsflash NWA like and I know they're talking about one of the guys said in the chat well you know Thunder Kitty I just don't take it too seriously right you can't and we're talking about a product that are we not supposed to take the product seriously are we just supposed to consider this like a comedy wrestling league like or are we supposed to take our our take it like a serious wrestling promotion if we're supposed to take it seriously then i think that they need to really realize like the landscape that they're on and understand the competition understand the time that they're in uh what we would call at my job a little self-awareness um and realize like hey we've got to be able to compete at least on some level and be relevant and i think they're, they're hurting that opportunity because television time is precious uh by you know by just rolling out whatever out there and i just wonder you know is, is fight tv gonna keep paying them for this kind of product well i i mean there's two ways to look at this too right because it's fight tv but it's like, are are we as consumers? Are we going to continue to pay for this? You know, um, if if the NWA put a match on with Jordan Clearwater versus the Pope, is that going to stand toe to toe with what AEW is doing? Absolutely not. But it could be a good match, and it could still be like, okay, here's my alternative to AEW. I'm getting some good old fashioned wrestling. From a guy who knows what he's doing, a good up-and-comer who is going to get that rub at some point, you know, 
there's a better solution than what we got. Anyway, uh, we still have one more match, and uh, I do say I, I want to get to some more of what you guys are saying. Uh, Terry McDermott says, saying she's before we move on, I think a little too much. Yeah, I wanted to say. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, dude. I, my signal might be messed up over here. Am I am I am I freezing up or anything on your end, Jay? A little bit, but you're okay. You're good. Okay. Um, feels a little delayed for me. But yeah, like James Ace Jackson makes a great point. Like we, there, there's a lot of guys on this roster that are good. They're really good. And you know, like a simple a simple adjustment in this main event, put Latimer out there against Mims. You know, give give Latimer the match that Mims is having against the guy like Mims. I mean, there's just a lot of different things they could have done to get more to get more out of their roster than they're getting. Um, and and I just don't get it because we're going to get to this main event and it's going to be really hard for me to be positive to find anything really positive about this main event. Not because there's anything wrong with Mims. Uh, I, I know Mims is all right. I mean, I know a lot of people like him, but like being likable and then being taken seriously as a contender or being a top TV talent are two different things. Um. So I just think we're looking at um, this is your main event for a, for a paid TV show, and what a what in the world? <laughs> what in the world are you rolling out there? Like, what kind of main event is this? This wouldn't be a main event on an indie show. I mean, and if it was, then it wouldn't be that big. That wouldn't be that good of an indie show. No offense to Mims or Black G's, but, but G's, G's, Black G's. <laughs> all right so uh all kidding aside getting to the match uh this match was essentially like an enhancement match a squash match if you will um g's got in some offense early on but this was mims match you know and i understand that they want to put mims over but again who's he beating who beating beating uh black g's doesn't get him over put him over slice boogie put him over jordan clearwater Put him over Tom Latimer. That's when I know you're serious about getting this guy over. Putting him in a match with Black Cheese doesn't do much for Mims. It's the same thing I said when Kobe beat Marche. It doesn't do a whole lot. It doesn't move the needle. This show is devoid of any superstar that the NWA has. Outside of the interviews with Jack Stane, the interviews with with, uh, uh, Trevor Murdoch, and the interview with Camille, this episode was devoid of anything that makes nwa power special and again you're paying for this and you know like does it bother anyone else that chris masters has only defended that national title once and it was on a pay-per-view he hasn't defended the title on tv yet um you know tyrus has had very few defenses as tv champion. Um, the women's champion, they're working on that. I get it. They're working on the tag team champions. I get that. Uh, the, the men's tag team champions are in Mexico waiting for this dang tournament to be over. And it just feels like, again, we were on this such a high with such a great pay-per-view. Instead of going off of the momentum that they built, now we're back to you know trying to reinvent the wheel. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to take everything three steps back you can keep it ramped up and ramp it up a little bit more for the pay-per-view and then ramp it just a little bit down for the tv show 
this isn't what happened. Um, at least it wasn't a roll up for Mims. He did he did hit his finisher for the victory for the one two three, but all in all, this isn't what I pay for. This isn't why I'm a fan of the NWA. Um, this is actually one of the reasons why it's hard to convince people to give the NWA a chance. Right, right, and, and, and you know, like a lot of my um, a lot of my friends that are in wrestling that I you know I talk to them off the off a lot you know all the time, and you know a lot of them you know that that helps me gauge where the nwa is because that tells me like what do, what do the wrestlers in the industry think about nwa right now and you know it in a way they they don't really take it as that's too seriously um and i think that's because the nwa is not really taking itself serious enough uh i again it's kind of like that um it's kind of like that kid that thinks he's cooler than he really is um you know MJF. i just think the nwa Probably, I just think <laughs> I just think the NWA thinks they're like they're like that they're like those people that are like like snobby and nobody cares like like you're only really like a true snob if people actually want to be like you and actually want to you know like if you're actually so again I, I just think they think they're bigger than they are because if they think they can just roll out matches or roll out a, a these kinds of shows and that they're just going to retain fans like that. Um, I'm sorry, but you know, if the bigger product, if the, if the, if the larger, uh, marketed product products take urgency for every TV show that they have to, to some extent, um, like, I, I think that this company should think the same way. You know, and, and again, I just think the world of entertainment is different now than it was in WA during the '50s or whatever, whatever glory day they're trying, whatever, whatever, whatever booking psychology that I can tell they're using. That's kind of an old school psychology. Hey, I, I can respect it, but it doesn't make it relevant. Um, and I like what Bill, like what you threw up there. It's when you're playing in a pre AEW world, right? You might as well burn it. But in reality, even pre AEW. They're still competing with the largest wrestling promotion in, in the history of the world. And, you know, for better or worse, if you want to compete, you got to actually compete. So, you know, this was not this was not the best foot forward. And go ahead. Terry added that Billy is in another world, not your typical NWA blue collar promoter. That's true. But just because, I mean, we can't keep making excuses for him, though, either. And I'm going to tell you this. Everything good about the NWA is all Billy Corgan. And everything bad about the NWA is all Billy Corgan. Because he's the main decision maker. He's not just the matchmaker. He's not just the booker. He's not just the promoter. He's everything. So if you love what you're seeing, it's all Billy. If you hate what you're seeing, it's all Billy. And then uh, DKM just added, if you're not one of the big boys, then you have to put out a better product to be noticed and followed. And in your, it, you know, well, DKM, if he was here, we'd both be agreeing with him. I mean, you look at what MLW is doing. You look at what um, Ring of Honor is doing. Okay. These are both promotions who aren't, you know, multi billionaires uh, who are financing the shows, right? Like it's not AEW, but Ring of Honor has this very solid product and a very strong following. 
And that pure championship was such a huge deal for them. And Ring of Honor is in a good place to just crown their new women's champion. They're in a great place. MLW, I mean, they're they're going in with Hammerstone versus, uh, uh, help me out, what's his name? Kevin did freeze. Okay. Uh, well, then while Kevin's frozen, I'll just talk to myself for a second. And, uh, you know, these guys are, uh, uh, sorry, I'm getting distracted here. Um, there is an opportunity for these guys to get to where they need to be. My camera battery is low, as you guys can tell. Jacob Fatu, thank you guys. Um, and they're in a place where they're doing well. You know, they're getting TV deals. So it'll be interesting to see how this continues to go for the NWA. I mean, look, even the United Wrestling Network, um, you don't have to love Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. You don't have to love Championship Wrestling from Memphis. But look what they're doing in, in Georgia and Atlanta. They're bringing in some top guys. Tony Nese, they're, they brought in The Awakening. Uh, they're bringing in guys who have some uh, some pretty big uh pretty big shoes to fill and you know the nwa has the same opportunities as as anyone else and they have to start maximizing them this show was a below average show doesn't mean that all will be below average but this one was uh overall this isn't what's going to get people to watch the nwa period um but i think that's going to do it because kevin can't get back on oh wait no there's kevin hey kevin Sorry, guys. I don't know. I, I, I pay for ultra high-speed internet, and it isn't so ultra sometimes or, or high-speed. <laughs> but on that, what I miss? Not much? Uh, you just, We're talking just about the show. Talking. <laughs> We're talking about that show. I didn't miss a whole lot. Um, no, I mean, and, and again, we're going to be back next, you know, we'll be back next week, and uh, I, I just hope the NBA can do a little better. Uh, spend my money a little better this time uh, than they, you know, this upcoming week. And and I, I really think you just got to do better with, with your TV show. And now that you guys have talked about it, I'm going to have to go watch my boy Daniel Bryan's or D- Brian Danielson. I didn't even know he was on TV. So that's kind of exciting. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at the Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at the Alliance Blog. Remember... Absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.